0: If you can have those more commercially minded conversations and you get people excited about it and you're trying to, you know, move them into a new market or, you know, gain the attention of a new audience, they'll be far more open to doing it.
1: B2B has the potential to be electrifying, but the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas, it's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. Hello and welcome to B Two B Marketing: The Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict, and today I'm joined by Laura Close, who is head—sorry, global head of marketing communications at law firm Simmons Simmons. A very, very warm welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
0: I'm really good. Thank you for having me.
1: Not at all. So I've given a very brief introduction to you, uh, but of course that barely scratches the surface, I'm sure. So for the people tuning in that aren't familiar with you, the floor is yours. Please give us a little bit of an introduction.
0: Okay, so I've been in professional services marketing for about 20 years now. Um, started in law, then went into the big four, and then went back to the law industry. Um, and through my time there, I've had various different roles within marketing, but thought leadership is definitely the area that I've got a real passion in.
1: Which is fortuitous, because that's yeah. exactly what we're going to be speaking about it is. today. It is. Um, it's also a shared passion of mine and and the agency as well. So very, very good that we are talking about it. Um, Now, I probably end up in a little bit of a soapbox when I talk around thought leadership. But from my perspective, there are quite a number of problems with the way that thought leadership is produced within the B2B industry um, more widely at the moment. And from my perspective, I think it is something which is massively underutilized in terms of its true potential, which we'll get on to later. I think there are some sort of fundamental misunderstandings around thought leadership. But for me, I think one of the biggest problems that we face is that there isn't really that much thought leadership. Yes, there is a lot of commentary about what's going on within the industry, but really it's more regurgitation of what people already know rather than people coming up with new perspectives that actually are changing people's minds within the industry and leading thought. Which leads me on to my provocative truth to kick things off, and that's that there's a real absence of leadership when it comes to thought leadership? Is that something you'd agree with?
0: Yeah, I do think it's a tricky one because, you know, there's lots of companies now that are using thought leadership as part of their sort of core marketing strategies. Mm. Um, And in professional services, it is, you know, a key element of that marketing mix where people can share their expertise. Mm. But you're absolutely right. I think where we're all now converging and talking about some of the big topics or mega trends, that actually trying to find that unique angle is very, very difficult. Um, but it's not impossible.
1: It's Well, I mean, that was a nice almost sort of teaser that you've just given me that <laughs> it's not impossible. So I think it's incumbent on me to ask then, how can that be possible? Yeah.
0: So I think you've just got to be really clear about what your growth strategy is, mm. where your value proposition sits, and try not to boil the ocean. I, I see so many thought leadership reports coming out that is just too verbose. Um, you know, it's trying to cover all the different angles of a topic. So for example, the topic of VSG, it's a big amorphous topic, but there's very different angles that you can take and you can really start to pinpoint where your USP is, where you want to start the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you can do is then do some white space analysis. So find Mm. out where that angle is. Does it link in with your key audience? And then make sure that you've then got a thread that you can then do some cross-selling. Mm. So the purpose of thought leadership is to gain attention and interest. It's not to sell mm-hmm. everything that you could potentially do, because then you're not encouraging conversations. Yeah. So it's very much about piquing that interest.
1: Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head, there, where you said it's not about trying to sell things. It's about attention and interest. And actually, the way that I always think of thought leadership um, within the context of B2B is it's almost the biggest sort of brand building lever the B2B brands have available to them, given that we have much more specific audiences. Now, with that being the case and sort of to link back to what you're talking about in terms of understanding what your value proposition, I always think that it's so, so important for brands to actually show up within their thought leadership in terms of this is us as a brand. This is our point of view. These are these are our angles. From your analysis of the industry, is that something which is sorely missing? It almost is a case of you could take the badge off one bit of thought leadership and put another badge on there and all intents and purposes, it would be the same.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a sweeping sort of general statement, but I do think in the legal industry, Mm. we are more risk averse Mm -hmm. than some of the other big fours or the management consultants. And so (laughs) actually trying to then bring through that strong opinion and putting your head above the parapet, that's quite a scary place yeah. for for some to be. But I do I do think that there are different ways of of doing that. And it may be that you're the convener of, you know, peer-to-peer insights. So mm-hmm. you're giving other people the opportunity to have profile and talk about issues, mm. or you can rely on survey data. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got that really good body of work, you can then analyze. And this is where we get really good at professional services. Mm-hmm. Um, is that we like to pick that apart, mm. and we like to you know challenge or you know renegotiate some of the conversations that are happening, and I think that's when you then start to get into a really exciting space in terms of sharing opinion.
1: Absolutely, and I think what you said there about using other people almost to be that mouthpiece and then aligning with yourself to give you a little bit of insulation is absolutely true. Um, but I do think it's it's really really important that brands. If they want to show thought leadership, they've got to be saying something new. To say something new, you've got to actually be a little bit contrarian sometimes by its very, very nature. How have you negotiated what I'm sure are difficult conversations because of risk appetite you talked about, um, where the brand, whether it's a law firm, whether it's a big four, like, we're not uncomfortable saying this. We're not uncomfortable having that opinion. What's the sort of the case that you make for why it's so important to have an opinion within thought leadership?
0: I think it's so that we can stand out and that mm. we can be authentic. I think authenticity is a real trend at the moment that we're seeing far more across brands and linking to purpose statements.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think also like we need to be free to have a personality to yeah. show to the market. And certainly when you're in a you know a people to people industry like professional services, you know we don't have the specific products. Yes, we have services, but actually it's the dynamic and the relationships of our people that make a difference. Mm -hmm. So giving them a platform, you know, working with them really closely to give them the confidence and really start to understand what they want to be known for and how you can then help bring Mm. that out for them. I think once you've got a couple of champions that are really um, strong in doing that, others will follow. Yeah and i'm really keen to make sure that we get lots of diversity of thought so it's not always the top leaders of the business mm-hmm. because i think you know thought leadership conversations you know selling being really confident in our expertise and and what we offer to our clients that needs to start from a much younger um a, mu- a much younger age within someone's career path mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so you know, you'd you'd be quite surprised with the different demographics on who's more comfortable talking about various different issues, and when you have got a large multinational company, you should leverage that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And to sort of pick up there, and you talked around it that thought leadership ultimately should be that expression of your purpose, especially if you're a purpose driven organization. What would be really fascinating, and I, I appreciate you won't be able to share everything, but if you were to think about your experiences developing thought leadership within the context of Simmons, Simmons or, or a previous organization, how did you go about, I suppose, translating the purpose which had been agreed by the organization into that expression through thought leadership? How did you make sure that there was that sort of thread that connected them?
0: Well, I think I'm quite fortunate at Simmons and Simmons because we've got a great statement, which is becoming a next generation law firm. Yeah. And that's quite bold. And so, you know, I do use that quite a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, but it can mean different things to different people. So is being next generation more human led? Is it tech enabled? You know, are we, you know, more caring about the work that we do rather than profit? Um, And so- there, there is a really strong springboard to then sort of have those conversations. And I think because it really is embedded within the culture of the firm, that everybody has a connection point to that. Mm-hmm. And it does give them the opportunity and empowers them to push boundaries and to go a little bit further. Um, if I think about some of the other firms that I've worked within, how to really sort of bring that through into the purpose, I suppose the next level down is like your business plan. Yeah. So, really thinking about where's the strategic focus, how can we then link it back, make sure that it's a commercial opportunity mm-hmm. and not just seen as a, as a brand profile piece. Because mm-hmm. I think where there's so much emphasis now on ROI, if you can have those more commercially minded conversations and you get people excited about yeah. it and you're trying to, you know, move them into a new market or, you know, gain the attention of a new audience… They'll be far more open to doing it.
1: Yeah. And I want to pick up on the commercial aspect of that, but I'm I'm just going to very briefly sort of part that. And just, I wanted to get your sort of perspective. I suppose it's a little bit of another provocative truth, or maybe a demi provocative truth that when people think about thought leadership, instantly your mind goes to a report, or maybe it's, you know, an article or or something like that. How much do you think that that is still a sort of a misconception that exists within the industry? And the second part of my question is, what should thought leadership look like from a sort of channel, format, perspective, individual perspective?
0: Oh, gosh, that's not an easy question, is it? Um, So I think, well, let's take the first part. What is thought leadership? It goes back to being that, having that unique angle. So, you know, a, a thought leading Article that's maybe only 500 words could Mm. be deemed as thought leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be the big flagship report that has a body of data and Mm. and a survey underneath it. I think ultimately you've really got to know who your audience is, Mm -hmm. how they like to digest content, um, and making sure that you've got the various different formats. So, you know, if you've got your exec summary, a nice uh, interactive infographic, Mm -hmm. you've got podcasts, you've got videos, you've got key takeaways, then you've got the longer form for people that do actually want to really sort of dive into it Mm -hmm. and and really get into the insights. So uh, I I suppose it could be a variety of things, but I think it all comes down to knowing what your audience wants.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I appreciate I did that. Fatal error of I double loaded a question, which is always <laughs> it's a huge faux pas within the podcast. And I, I know that. So apologies for the the, the double barreled question there. Um, but I think that what where I was getting to, which is what you've just talked about, is that when you're talking about becoming a thought leading brand, you've got to understand that there are a multitude of different formats that you can express that in. And also it's the ch- different channels. And I think mm-hmm. within professional services, particularly, your people are one of the channels that you should be utilizing. And in of respect, your people are, are, are a format yeah, as absolutely. well in terms of being able to express that. But something which I think is a really important dimension, if you're going to do that successfully, is to have a thought leadership strategy, to be very, very clear about what are you trying to build, credibility around what are you trying to build association with Mm. is that something which you can sort of recognize based on how you're approaching things at Simmons and Simmons that idea of like a thought leadership strategy
0: yeah absolutely and and it is core to our to our marketing plan this might be quite a nice way to sort of bring in um the difference between sort of thought leadership and thought provoking content Mm -hmm. because I think you know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do a big thought leadership project. Mm. And that may be that, you know, you do do a flagship piece, you know, multiple times a year. But then you've also got these nice, like, bite-sized pieces, you know, quick updates that are of of the moment and they're adding a different angle or a different perspective to a well-versed conversation. Mm -hmm. But it helps with those touch points. And I think if you can keep linking back to your main hero piece of thought leadership keeps it fresh, extends the shelf life of of that piece. And, you know, the the world is changing so quickly mm-hmm. that we're seeing that the shelf life <laughs> of a lot of our thought leadership reports are are getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Um so I do think there is very much that that blend. Um, but that's not to say that you should talk about everything it still needs to come back to your strategy yeah what's your angle what are you going to own in terms of your voice in that market
1: so to pick yeah pick up on you made this distinction around sort of thought leadership and thought provoking pieces and i I mean i i I liked obvious bias aside that all thought leadership has to have a degree of a provocative quality to it you know you need to be provoking people to think differently um i'm just (laughs) this is i'm jokingly interested as much as anything else is how strict are you with different contributors across the business about making sure that they do say something new because I think that's always the challenge (laughs) I mean you can either answer diplomatically Um, or you can answer candidly (laughs) I would prefer the latter but I understand the former
0: gosh uh, so I think I think it comes back to the understanding of what thought leadership is and what the aim Mm -hmm. of the piece of content is trying to do. I think if you can apply sort of enhanced curation across, you know, all all of your content streams, it's then much easier to then hero and and resurface the the pieces that you know, uh, you know, instinctively yourself as a marketer that this is thought leading, Mm -hmm. but that's not to say that all of the other content that we produce doesn't have its space. Mm -hmm. It's just whether it's badged as thought leadership. And I would never tell my audience that this is thought leading. No, You know, there's lots of firms that will call various things sort of insights or collection of, Mm. you know, interviews or case studies, legal updates, you know, there's all, they all contain an um, an element of opinion it just depends how editorial and how provocative mm. you want to be yeah. so that's probably my most diplomatic i answer. mean laura <laughs> i was about to
1: say that was an extremely diplomatic answer um so i'm going to be cheeky and i'm going to ask one more time that question in a little bit of a variation is have you ever gone back to a partner and said look you need to push this a little bit further
0: oh yeah yeah and i've read
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, um,
0: yeah. Which you know can can get you into some sort of tricky territory, but I think it's all about building your relationships yeah. internally, making sure that they understand that you're doing it for them, mm-hmm. so that they get the most profile, the most impact, and it's it's a it's a collaboration. Um, I mean, you know, you can start small by um, amending sort of headlines and standfests. Mm-hmm. You can start putting restrictions on length. You can, you know, do some training where they don't always put the conclusion or the, you know, the most interesting Mm. piece at the bottom, you know, but, you know, that's quite difficult for them because they've been trained in a completely different way. So it does link back to my earlier point where the earlier you can grab someone in their career to get them not only more commercially savvy with their conversations and their Mm. relationships, but also the way in which they articulate their insights and the way in which they write but you know like sometimes you're going to lose the battle um but it's all about taking people on a journey so you know even if you know a a couple of sort of re you know paragraphs were re rewritten and they've accepted that and then the next time I get a little bit more and Mm. a little bit more you know then then you're winning yeah right but it but it is all about building that trust and that collaboration together
1: Excellent. It was still diplomatic, but I think we can all be (laughs) afraid of Laura's red pen on that. Now, I said I was going to come back to sort of the commercial side of things. And Mm. um, let's let's talk about that now, I think. Um, Clearly, it has a role to play in, in brand building and there is an intangibility to brand building. But fundamentally, if you're going to secure the budget, especially within a partner led organization such as a law firm or an accountancy, you need to be able to show that ROI. When you're coming to sort of plan out a campaign and you want to secure that budget, what is the case that you make to the budget holders within, say, a Simmons and Simmons, say, a previous um, industry to to secure that?
0: Yeah, so I think it's bringing it back to the business plan or your strategy, identifying where those growth opportunities are and and, and actually what's the ambition. So what is the increase of of revenue or market share that you want to gain? And then if you can then talk about the investment of the thought leadership campaign in, in percentage terms to that, it will seem um more palatable. However, those numbers might still be um quite large for for some organisations, especially when they've they've been used to creating, you know, thought leadership campaigns mm. in-house without the use of, you know, survey data or agencies or or other writers. I think it comes back to being really confident about how you talk about the ROI and getting the understanding that this is a long-term commitment. There's Mm -hmm. not going to be a very quick conversion rate, but it's all about moving it into sort of marketing-influenced revenue Mm -hmm. Um, and really thinking about your KPIs right at the beginning. So if there's specific clients that you want to target, you want to cross-sell to, you want to open doors to – you know, really understanding what that prospect universe is. And then when you're going through your campaign and you're preparing for your launch, making sure that you've you've got those tracking in, uh, mechanisms in place so that you can say, look, we got in touch with this client. They then had a conversation mm-hmm. with said lawyer. They now want to do a workshop. They've now instructed us on this. Now, that might happen within six months, 12 months, many, many years Um into the future, but you don't do thought leadership once. Mm-hmm. It is a long-term commitment, and so it is part of moving them through that sales funnel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, there's there's lots of different metrics that we can use, but I think the strongest piece of information that you can use, you know, for your boardroom, for your leadership team to to really um, engage in it, are uh, anecdotal. Um, mm-hmm. case studies or, or stories of success, um, feedback from clients directly mm. rather than the big numbers.
1: So I, I liked what you said at the beginning, actually, which is that sort of the relativity point in terms of, yes, it might be a big um, investment in isolation, but put that in the context of what we are trying to achieve within mm. business terms. And actually, it starts to feel a lot more palatable as a result. Of that. And I think that's just a really simple thing that's so so worthwhile doing. So as the other reflection which um I had as you as you were talking there is if you want to get people bought in, it's show how that it can help them on an individual level. I mean, you, you talked about you know opening up um you know, particular accounts, but also just enriching them with information. Certainly that's what it comes with the thought leadership, is giving them meaningful discussion points conversation points which they can sort of take to their clients to either sustain a conversation to pivot a conversation or to open open a conversation so looking at that enablement piece i think is really key um, my, my sort of next question though sort of picks up on what you said there that it is it's a long term commitment um, thought leadership and we can measure the success through those tangible things like accounts opened etc do you ever also look at how thought leadership impacts things like brand association and sentiment towards the brand?
0: We we do but loosely. Yeah. Um I think within the legal industry, you know, there are a certain amount of of players and so, mm. you know, to try and do a big brand study like mm. some of the big consumer brands would do on a regular yeah. basis, actually translating that into our or quite small world in comparison mm. doesn't necessarily translate, and I think you know unless you're in that sort of top tier, so whether you're the big four mm. um, or the magic circle, you know you're you're all sort of like jostling for position. But it's it's going to be very different measures. Um, so if I think about the practice areas within our our firm or, or, or most law firms actually you know, it is all very much around the type of work. So whether it's litigation or mm-hmm. transactional, if you can then start talking about brand sentiment in terms of, you know, are we the the firm to go to for big sort of digital um, mm-hmm. transformations or are we the ESG firm or, you know, are we known for our innovation, for example? Mm. I think you're better to test that through your awards, yeah. your client listening programs, mm-hmm. Um, and also getting feedback from your new recruits as well. So, mm. you know, the new talent that's coming through yeah. the door, you know, what's what's important to them? What made us stand out? Mm. What did they like about the brand?
1: Mm. So I was going to jump to our house question and close the conversation off I thought leadership. But I'm going to be really, really cheeky and just squeeze another little one in there. You talked about your client listening programs and... Mm. I'm always fascinated to understand how effectively different brands, different marketers are able to utilize that sort of information, create those positive feedback loops um, to inform, you know, marketing programs, marketing activities and thought leadership. Indeed, Um, So indulge me. um, How sort of like systematized is that uh, client listening program and how do you use the information to create almost that virtuous circle um, when it comes to campaigns?
0: Yeah, so very much so um, in terms of it being really systematic, we do have um, an identified sort of list of top client accounts, which is where we would then prioritise that client listening session. The, the information that we get from that is so rich and, you know, in many cases it's really candid as well. So, you know, we can use it for uh, learning and improvement but also to challenge ourselves as well. So really thinking about the relationships we want to build, you know, are there opportunities for us to cross-sell, but also for them to tell us what's, you know, what what some of the big issues are on their minds. And then that can then feed into our marketing programme. So, you know, is it something that's authentic to us? You know, can we then help them with that? Can we expand the relationship? Or actually does it not hit our sweet spot? And we have to be quite honest um, in, in making those decisions. But I think the client listening programs that um, certainly I've been exposed to within, particularly in the law firm industry, is, you know, a real part of that BD um, activity. And, you know, the the importance of relationships really comes through there. And it's, it I just think it's a really quick win so that you can then start to cross-sell Introduce other people um, and, you know, don't waste that intel. It, it should definitely be shared.
1: Absolutely. And also just like a rich source of, sort of information for marketers. Well, thank you for indulging that additional question, which um, I appreciate that I, I just slipped in there. But I was, was interested because I think it is really important to understand how that, um, that information can be used for positive feedback loop. But I do have one final question which is our house question, um, and that is, when was the last time that you saw a piece of marketing? And that can be, you know, an advert, a piece of comms, it could even be thought leadership, um, that really made you feel in your guts, that moved you on a deep emotional level as well as an intellectual level.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to go into, like, the consumer brand space. Um, so for me, it was Dove. So as soon as they started to bring out models that were more representative of, you know, women – um rather than you know the mm. the sort of you know the the fashion week sort of traditional model i just thought that was really brave and a really good step in the right direction of being more diverse and inclusive mm-hmm. and that's really that's really stuck with me and i think that's why i always try and pull that back into my own sort of day to day it's like you know let's not be hierarchical about who can share thought leadership mm-hmm. or their opinions or their ideas um and really thinking about you know where you know su- un you know surprising thoughts or or emotional connections might mm. come from
1: and very neatly they're tied back into the conversation we were having um certainly in terms of the representation which I did like and uh, about sort of like what you're saying around thought leadership uh, and how people can utilize the whole sort of organization and not just those most senior people, that diversity of voice is very, very important. I it also just, it, it's amazing how much recognition that adverts and mm. series of adverts, body of work gets, um, both in terms of people we've had on the podcast, you know, it's an amazing impact. Uh, but also I think as they've been recognized again at Can Lions this year. So, um, yeah, an incredible body of work that that they've managed to achieve. Um, so just to bring it back to sort of thought leadership and the main sort of conversation that we've had today. I mean, firstly, thank you very, very much. I think it's been a really, really interesting conversation. I think we've gone to a lot of areas that I'm very pleased that we did go to. But on top of, I think the very, very fine point that you just made there about the diversity and the representation within um, organizations, like really the fundamentals are having a strategy around thought leadership. Knowing what your brand stands for, what your brand is trying to achieve, and translating that into a strategy which your thought leadership can follow. You have that clear direction, it introduces discipline, and with discipline, thought leadership, and like any brand activity, if you are staying on message, then you will start to influence the marketplace, you will start to change the way that they are perceiving you as a brand. Um, So I'm always happy to talk about thought leadership. I'd love to just talk about it even more, but thank you very, very much for coming onto the podcast. That was fantastic. Thank you.
0: Thank
1: you. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.